Hey everybody, C-Note here, and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like Snorlax. Not going anywhere. Uh, today on the show, I wanted to talk about Spiral Dynamics. Finally, I'm doing the Spiral Dynamics episode. I think I, I think I promised this back in January, something like that. I don't know. I needed time to think about it a little bit more, how I wanted to go about it, and um, how to share this with you. This is a doozy of an episode. It's just as big as Snorlax. Uh, there's a lot. It's about an hour maybe 45 minutes. I'm not sure. Um, but there's a lot here and it's a lot to break down, but, um, it's an amazing start to learn such an incredibly powerful tool. This is something that is, I continuously am assessing in myself all the time to try to help me figure out like where it is that I should be going and, um, what I should be focusing on at the moment, um, in relation to my life and my own personal aspirations, right? There's a ton to break down. Um, this is all just very basic, rudimentary level stuff, and um, in terms of spiral dynamics. But again, it's really powerful. It's a good primer to let you guys know um, what this is, and then a little bit of how you can use it, and some recommendations for um, follow-up resources to where to go next. So, without further ado, let's hit the button and do the thing. On the Spiral Dynamics episode, let's go. Drums, Hello, friends. Welcome to the show. C-Note here. I am your multimedia designer and creative consultant, and uh, I'm also known as Christian Rivera, and you can follow me at Let's Go C-Note on all the social channels. Uh, today, I wanted to do an intro to Spiral Dynamics, which is a lot, <laughs> so I'm going to take a drink of water, because there's a lot to talk about. Um, and my throat is not in the great the greatest space, but it hasn't been for a while and I need to keep creating stuff. So we're just going to power through and see how this goes. Um, so yeah, spiral dynamics is probably one of the most powerful spiral dynamics, also known as the Graves model. Um, I don't know if it's the exact same, honestly, it's, it's slightly different, but they're based on the same kind of idea that, um, that the, this spiral dynamic, I will refer to it as spiral dynamics for the sake of this podcast. Um, so just to, just to be clear there, spiral dynamics is one of the most powerful tools that I think is usable for personal development. And the reason for that is that it's, it, it's a pretty dynamic system. Hence spiral dynamics. It's a dynamic system of learning where you are in life and sort of a calibration tool to figure out what feels the most natural to you and where to go next. And it's a good lesson in trying to practice unbiased behavior and perception of yourself in relation to other people. Um, because spiral dynamics really brings home this idea that I talk about a lot with different people having different starting lines and goal lines, because spiral dynamics is not about comparing yourself to other people. It's about finding out where you fit within the hierarchy of this system, which is not really a hierarchy. It is a vertical model, but it's not really a hierarchy because it's not in relation to other people. It's relation to your own experiences uh, in relation to society. Um, so it, it's amazing to, to learn where it is that you fall accurately currently in society and, you know, kind of give yourself an idea of where you might want to go. But at the same time, learn, you know, where you can actually live in actuality. Mm -hmm. So the, one of the main ideas here is to first understand the fact that it's a vertical model and vertical models are something that involves personal growth. And it's about forward motion and upward motion and understanding that there is something that you can evolve into. There is a growth path. So Another way to look at spiral dynamics is there's almost like a personal cognitive evolution um, based on Maslow's, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So if you're not familiar with that, I might do an episode in the future to, to kind of explain that. But Maslow's hierarchy of needs basically 
defines our individual needs as human beings. It kind of starts with like you talk about safety and security and all of these different levels that we need to just, you know, be a human being. And these different levels, you know, sort of live within each other, live on top of each other so that you can, you can only go upwards in Maslow's hierarchy uh, when the bottom needs are met, for example. So the top of that is referred to as self-actualization, which is meant to describe uh, a sort of a, a mental transcendence in a way. But uh, Claire Graves, who came up with the Graves model, which later expanded into spiral dynamics, the, the Graves model is based on the idea of what is self-actualization? Like, what does that actually mean? What are we talking about when we say that? And the self-actualization is what that, that explanation, that attempt to explain it, is what the Graves model is. So the, you think of Graves model as a whole as a way of defi- defining in some shape or another what self-actualization looks like for you. But at the same time, you can also look at it as where you are in actuality right now uh, in your life, in relation to society, in relation to your own personal needs. So it can get a little tricky in that sense. If you look up spiral dynamics, spiral dynamics expands upon it in the way that we typically look at the Graves model as something that is societal like the graves model and spiral dynamics typically defines entire societies in where they are in in a, in a personal evolution <clears throat> in in their evolution of the societies rather and it starts from you know basically uh basic tribal needs basic uh, uh survival needs evolves into tribal needs and then warlord needs and goes into more systematic needs and sort of evolves into uh, societal frameworks uh, as we've experienced it so far, right? This is all based on things that we've personally experienced as human beings over the last few hundred years. This is all based on history and based on the way that we've experienced our reality as it leads to this moment, right? So the the Graves model is an attempt to explain that, but then it also can be applied to where you personally fall within that societal framework. So it gets really tricky because when you start to dive into this stuff, it is really easy to sort of misplace yourself because we have a natural tendency to want to put ourselves higher because hierarchy, natural, it's a natural human tendency to want to be above, higher, better. Um, and that's not at all the case. The it's, it's about calibration more than it is about up. And especially in comparison, it's not about comparison. It's about reality. And it's about personal ascendance in a way, right? You're not always trying to be better because trying to be better doesn't necessarily mean that your life is going to be better, right? Your life in relation to your mental state is that calibration point. It is essentially like if you are in four blue, which we're going to go through the levels shortly, if you are in four blue and your mindset is so fixated on being a six green that you are not effectively giving your energy into being within four blue, then your life may fall apart and you may actually descend um, different levels based on you know how your needs change and whatnot, right? So another way to look at it is that if you are you know, if you are a highly spiritual person and you are incredibly focused on like mental transcendence and you're taking all this time to meditate and you don't work and you're, you're just kind of, uh, I don't know, sitting in a synagogue for, <laughs> uh, 16 hours a day, um, or wherever, I don't know why I picked a synagogue, but whatever the case is, um, you're sitting somewhere for 16 hours a day. You're not making money to provide yourself with food, things of that nature, that if you ignore your human needs, you will eventually, um, you know, if you haven't been able to satisfy the human needs that you have, then you will uh, eventually, the natural desire for food and safety and sex and all of that stuff is going to take over. And that all of that mindful meditation stuff goes out the window because you're solely focused on surviving. Right. So that's what I mean when like when you will descend in a way, you know, when you're homeless, being homeless, it's, it's really hard to care about anything other than making sure that you're getting your next meal. 
right? That's essentially what I mean by that. So um, we're going to take a little bit of a break, and then we're going to talk about, we're going to go through the levels of spiral dynamics, the Graves model, as briefly as we can, because this is just an intro. I'm not going to go into any intense depth, because I don't know that my my uh, throat has the capacity to go <laughs> through the intense depth of it all. But I think this is a good introduction. If you've heard about it and you're a little bit confused as to what it is, there's just a lot to think about, a lot to consider and prime yourself even before looking into the actual levels and where you fall within that. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Listen to the 48 Hours podcast for shocking murder cases and compelling real life dramas from one of television's most watched true crime shows. Go behind the scenes of each episode with award-winning CBS News correspondents and producers in Postmortem, a weekly deep dive. Listen to 48 Hours wherever you get your podcasts. Inspired by the life of the savvy and ambitious Colombian businesswoman Griselda Blanco comes a new Netflix original limited series. Griselda tells the story of a devoted mother who, with her lethal blend of charm and relentless savagery, creates one of the most powerful cartels in history. Witness Sofia Vergara's captivating transformation into the godmother of the underworld. Griselda, now streaming only on Netflix. All right, taking a swig of water, and we are back in the game, ready to go. So we're going to talk all about these, the Graves model slash spiral dynamics, which I keep going between the two, but whatever, um, <laughs> spiral dynamics levels, and uh, essentially what they mean, right? So as far as we can understand, and let me pull up something for reference, just in case I kind of get lost here. Um, I'm going to have to move some stuff. Okay. Let's just pull up Spiral Dynamics, and um, I'll just kind of pull up the first one that I see. Uh, do, 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 do. See if I can find the right one. I know there was one. So if you just Google Spiral Dynamics, there are a couple of good articles that go through the basics and sort of show you a bit of a visual uh, framework to, to get started. I'm trying to see if I can find the best one. To, to give you a good starting spot. This is good podcasting, by the way. <laughs> um, okay, this might be the one. Let's see if we can open this image. Okay, we're going to have to zoom in there. There we go. <clears throat> okay. So the spiral dynamics is essentially split into two columns, or you can kind of think of it as two different ways to look at it. So you can look at it as a numerical system, which as far as we know, there's maybe eight, nine levels, <clears throat> and really there are very few examples beyond seven, um, even few examples of seven. So really the first seven are going to be the most important, and then the ones beyond that are a little bit speculative because these are things that are emerging and people are being able to start seeing what those things could potentially look like. So one through seven is what we're going to focus on right now, but the, those numbers also have corresponding colors. And the reason that the colors exist are a reason are, are means to try to explain that these levels are not numerically hierarchical, you know, because it's really easy again for people to think for you to think that because it is numerical that you need to go to the next level It really depends on your life circumstances and, you know, personal happiness and needs and all of that stuff, right? So if you're, again, if you're in blue four, you may not necessarily need to go to the next level. That might be too difficult for you or might that, that may not necessarily fit the needs of your life and your, your ability or, you know, what's going to make you happy in this moment, for example. It's more complicated than that, but <clears throat> those are the basic ideas. So um, one through seven, is essentially where we're going to start. So I'll probably alternate between the numbers and the, the colors just to explain it a little bit further um, um, to, to kind of keep you following me here. And then another thing to consider as we're going along is that the even numbers 
represent, or rather I should start with the odd numbers. The odd numbers represent more of an individualism. And I also notice there's a bit of aggression within the odd numbers. And the even numbers are a little bit more of a calming resting state and a bit more community focused. And you'll see that pattern emerge as we go through it. So um, this is pulled up from uh, the crux, cruxcatalyst.com, I think it is. Yeah. Um, and this is sort of just a really basic overview, and I'll kind of expand on it as we um, as we go along. So the first level is also known as beige, and it is very, very basic life essentials. Um, the first level is typically associated with an infant, you know, not being able to take care of themselves. They're Concern. Their only life concern is getting sustenance. So it's a state of nature and biological urges and drives, and physical senses dictate the state of being. So you're very focused on simply just existing and trying to, you know, live within the physical world. Another, um, there are very few um, relative to humanity beiges in the world. Um, you can typically think of infants, like I said, or uh, homeless people. People who are essentially they're they're living their daily lives in a state of you know just trying to get their next meal, and it could be a very frustrating place to 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 be in. Um, and it's a, it's a bit of instinctive as natural instincts and reflexes direct um, a bit of an automatic existence. Uh, so it's just like you know you gotta you gotta wake up and forage and you know do the things that you got to do uh, to that effect to make sure that you're getting those very, very basic needs met. Um, number two, sort of, uh, it becomes a collective of that. The physical world and realm of spirit beings start to overlap. So as a community, you start to come up with, because you're you know typically not very educated at this point, you're starting to uh, come up with theories of the world. As some of your needs are met a little bit, you start to think about on its very basic, very basic levels, you start to think about uh, sort of like deities and uh, spirits and um, there's a like animalistic life forces and things like that. Let me take a swig of water real quick. <clears throat> Aha. You can think of like, you know, Native Americans and like thunder gods and, and, uh, you know, fully expanding lore of very basic needs instead of understanding or trying to understand where rain comes from, you know, you pray to the rain gods and hope that you get your next thing that, you know, the rain for the crops and stuff like that. Um, there are indigenous people that still exist in the world that are living in small tribes that live within this sort of framework. Um, you can also, equate this to a toddler in terms of a personal upbringing where you're starting to become a part of the family unit and you're starting to be almost self-aware of the fact that you're a part of the family unit and you start to believe in things because you have really not much of a sense of reality beyond your sphere of what you've experienced. So you're, you're coming up with all sorts of things. You know, you think about like the boogeyman and, and the Santa Claus and the Easter bunny and all these things that are, you know, easily believable that sort of explain life in the most basic logic rudimentary kind of way. So the description here says the physical world and realm of spirit beings overlap, collaborate for safety and survival, ancestral ways, customs, and kinship offers answers, right? And then the other side of it, which is like coping mechanisms, refers to animalist, animistic sense of life force uh, in most things, uh, live according to tradition, and rituals of group, tribe, clan, harmonize with nature. And you get a sense of sacrifice um, within this as well. You know, you have to to give like some sort of sacrifice to the deities and gods and things like that. And living according to tradition and rituals, stuff of that nature. Uh, next, we have three, which is red, sometimes nicknamed the warlord um, uh, level. And you can also, I would highly recommend that Personality Hacker does some really ma amazing podcasts on Spiral Dynamics. I'm sort of taking a lot of what I've learned from them and applying it to this episode. So, um, Listen to this and then go listen to that because they really break it down way better than I do, but I'm, I'm trying my best. Um, so red is kind of like the warlord phase. And you can think of someone who has sort of decided to graduate from this tribal uh, framework, seeing that these people are rulable. Like you can, you can, um, 
you know, it's about kind of strength and seeing that like, okay, I'm an alpha in this group. Therefore I can lead this group because I can kill them at any time and they should serve me, you know, in some, in some kind of capacity. Right. So like a jungle where the tough and strong prevail, the weak serve nature is an adversary to be conquered. So it's very physical. It's very animalistic. It's very, uh, dominance. There's just a lot of aggression in red. Um, you can equate uh, teenagers and adolescents to red because they're trying to find their own place in the world. They're trying to take things at this point. You know, some teenagers start to go through a kleptomania phase um, and they start to, you know, you steal money from your mom's purse and you're trying to make your own way through the world, right? And sometimes young men will have a clash with their their patriarch in the family, you know, the father or, you know, or mother, if they're the one that's the dominant in the family. And they will start to, you know, clash against the family hierarchy and structure. It's kind of like that natural tendency to want to be independent. You're not quite there yet, but in the Red Warlord kind of way, you know, it's very possible for these red warlord types to actually um, to actually rule people and um, and serve them um, and, and and all of that stuff. So you get these sort of like tribal nations that start to form with a, a leader at the helm in a way. And uh, it's still very tribal, still very lawless um, and very crude and rudimentary in that way, but it's just all about power and ruling with an iron fist of that kind of way. Um, it's very egocentric, uh, asserting self for dominance, and it's a, it's a conquering kind of nature. So it can be exploitative, and um, you know, there's a no guilt, no concern with shame, and um, it's just very impulsive, very immediate. And like I said, with the odd numbers, it's very individualistic. It's about the individuals who are ruling and trying to break free from the tribe or trying to rule over the tribe. And it's just like instant gratification it can be very physical in that way. Um, so m- most people start within, you know, most people in the modern world are kind of living within three to five. And uh, it's really interesting because I, I think the modern versions of red are like, um, people who are very drama focused. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people who really love like the real housewives and they're just always like, talking crap at each other (laughs) and just there's a lot of dominance uh going on a lot of toxic relationships are kind of living within red or they've come from that and they haven't really evolved or ascended and they're just like two three red people getting together being very um you know fighting for this sense of dominance so when you come across people who are typically trying to fight for some sort of dominance typically expressing some sort of intense insecurity i find that they're living within that three red framework especially if they're having a tar- hard time uh, assimilating into the next level which is four blue now four blue is a little bit more of what you see naturally in much of Western society at this point. Four blue is like a culmination of three reds. Like you almost think of, if you think of three red as individual states, you think of four blue as the country, you know, they decide to create borders in a way. So, so that the warlords are not deciding to continue to just fight each other. They start to decide, okay, you know what? I'm going to take this one. You take this one. And let's create some rules. Let's create some boundaries. Let's make sure we're not stepping over each other's toes and that we can, you know, we can continue to control our societies with a sense of obedience to, uh, and often to a higher power, whether that's government or even using religion to sort of keep people in line. Um, it's, it's a way to start policing people and punishing wrongs and eventually rewards good works and righteous living with, um, with, with basically resources. So you can think of much of American society that way. You know, you kind of like you get up, you go to work, you comply, you, um, you pay your taxes, you get a reward at the end of the year, you get bonuses, you get benefits, you get, um, all sorts of things taken care of for you. That is what like four blue is in a nutshell. Um, and a lot of those are very. Uh, a lot of those people are very religious, very forward thinking, or, or not forward thinking. They're very religious in terms of that type of thinking. I should say, um, you know, they can be. They, yeah, they can be very um, controlled by a higher power. You know, fearing of a god, fearing of uh, government. You know, 
complying, being obedient, things like that. Um, so uh, another way to look at it is that they are absolutist. Obedience as higher authority and rules uh, rules are direct. Um, conforming to norms and um, they can feel uh, the society, people within the society can feel a sense of guilt um, while also searching for truth, meaning, and purpose. So there's while being in blue, there's almost this sense that there's something better. There's more. There's a sense of freedom, but uh, they're in. They're within this community of of blue that's still kind of, um, you know, that's still kind of uh, ruled by a lot of these red types, um, which a lot of I, w- I would argue that a lot of governments, a lot of government leaders, are still living within a red framework and started, uh, you know, kind of pontificating and trying to just kind of, uh, seize power so that they can have, um, control over people. And, um, when people unite and can, you know, be a source of strength to each other, they can actually subvert the sort of red dictator type of character and form, you know, a bit of a, a democracy essentially, to make sure that there's no single ruler over a people that the people ultimately have power, right? So I hope that made sense. Uh, so from there, you know, when you've got this group of people who are complying and you've got this sense of order, you've got a society, naturally the next evolution is people, individuals who are pulling away from that society. And that's when you've got five orange. Five orange typically represents the entrepreneurs of the modern world. Um, five orange represents someone who is developing a sense of resources to, to develop opportunities to make things better and bring prosperity for those who with initiative and willingness to risk, you know, your willingness to take risks outside of the system or utilize the system that has been developed in four blue to take advantage of it, to live outside the lines, to take some risks that may, um, you know, may end up in some sort of either financial ruin or um, something that's just a little bit off the beaten path. So you can amass resources at a level that is quicker than someone who is in four blue, just living a day job and, you know, uh, collecting a paycheck and, and grinding through it, right? The someone who is really, really adamant and working through five orange is going to be developing those resources to just kind of amass resources quicker and at their own pace and with a personal sense of freedom. So, um, they can be, uh, multiplistic, what is the word? Multiplistic. That's what I'm reading here. (laughs) They can act pragmatically and calculate to get desired results. They move or maneuver through competition and comparison, um, a bit scientifically focused. It's, it's about process. It's about creating, it's about structure. It's about building businesses, essentially building businesses or building some way to amass resources outside of that blue framework structure. So again, like red, it is aggressive. You know, it's about doing something individually. It's about, you know, they, they describe entrepreneurship as a very lonely endeavor. And it certainly is if, if you're really trying and diving into it. Right. Um, I've been in like orange or like attempting to get through orange for a very long time. Um, I feel like that's where I naturally rest. I actually think I would rather be really, I I would sit comfortably in green, but um, we'll get to that next. But in order to get from one to the next, you have to go forward and you have to ascend, which is why this is a vertical model. It's about, because you can't just calibrate and skip a level. You can't just pick one and say, that's me. You have to actually have gone through all of these levels in order to get to the next one, which is why it's super important. It's super important to know that. I should have said that pretty early. (laughs) Um, So, uh, we're going to go next to green, which is, uh, very philanthropic. You've noticed that a lot of entrepreneurs, when they succeed and they meet their goals, they will essentially try to find a way to give back to society. They will find a way to, uh, amass and use their resources to not only live within, you know, amassing they're not going to they're no longer amassing resources in a way that feels like there's a limited capacity of resources they're going to start feeling like okay there's abundance of resources but we need to be smart about the ways that we're using these resources and typically you get things like the green movement and um veganism like whole foods like you know things that are trying to make society better as a whole 
uh, kind of fits within the framework of green. Um, someone who is definitely within green um, or maybe even higher than that is Bill Gates. Him, He's spending all of his money to give back to these amazing causes to try to um, just give back to society. You know, there's like, green is like the now what kind of phase for an entrepreneur <laughs> for someone who's built businesses. And it's like, okay, I've, I've satisfied this superficial need to be successful. Now I need to, now I want to give back to the world. And it's a very global focus. It's like moving beyond the borders of, of, uh, of a country or a single society. It's very much about expanding upon that. And orange really starts to orange five really starts to breach beyond that. Right. Because an entrepreneur can be an entrepreneur beyond the, the borders of their, uh, society. Whereas in four blue, you typically have to get a job within your city or state, um, somewhere that's illegally available to you. Whereas orange, you can kind of work outside the lines a little bit. And then green is definitely globally focused where you're trying to reach outside of your country. You're, you're trying to help people in, in all sorts of different parts of the world. So, um, the description here says the shared habitat wherein humanity can find peace and purposes through affiliation and appreciating life's diversities. And it's really, again, about expanding beyond your individual uh, community, your individual country even, and seeing where you can actually do some good in the world and be a part of that. Um, again, it's, it's a, it's six is a six green is uh, community focused and it's a little bit more passive. So there's work being done, but um, it's typically about forming nonprofit organizations, groups of people that are doing interesting uh, things to help people and do big things. Right. So um, the other description here is that uh, they, they experience empathy to feel and desire to respond to human needs. They're very affiliative. So they're being a part of big organizations, like I said, um, responding situationally to people's needs and um, very focused on the consensus needs of people and uh, very context aware. You'll find that um, uh, there's San, what is it? Sad Guru is definitely a green. You know, some greens feel like they have, or, or green can seem like they have an answer to everything. And um, they certainly have many, many answers. <laughs> um, and uh, some would describe green as like some semblance of enlightenment. But, you know, you can really only get to green if you've, again, amassed some semblance of resources to be able to, to get to that, to be able to do something of meaningful value. Um, so now we're going to get into like a little bit more of the speculative phase because this is like higher level stuff that we haven't really personally experienced all that much. And, um, uh, you know, I'm just going to kind of read off of the descriptions a little bit more. So based off of the structure we've been going by at this point, you know, we can assume that seven, which is yellow, is an individualistic phase. And it probably assumes that green is just moving at too slow of a pace and needs to do things a lot quicker. And it's still going to be globally focused, but it could be about um, managing the human organism in a way and finding a way to help humanity as a whole. This could be revolutionizing industries, right? This could be something that is um, layering causes and um, putting function over love and status and rules and power. And just like, you know, again, the potential to be an individual who revolutionizes something that humanity absolutely needs and just puts it into place, regardless of what people think they need. You know, this person knows what's going to happen, what needs to happen. <laughs> ah, damn it. My nose. <laughs> ah, Okay. Um, so I'm going to read the description here. It says like um, seven, um, seven in terms of the worldview would be like a chaotic organism with underlying order where change is the norm and uncertainty is an, an uncertainty is an, un an acceptable state of being as knowledge evolves. And you can almost think of seven as like a borderless world. It's like this utopian. I think of seven is almost like a Star Trek kind of vibe. So it might actually be eight that might be more of a Star Trek vibe, but I'm, I bet the person that created the Federation of, of, of what was it? Federation of planets. Um, they, uh, they probably were a seven, like someone that was just like, 
who revolutionized space travel, who, you know, I think Elon Musk, I don't know that he is a seven, but what he's doing is certainly attempting to be a seven, right? Um, to change the way that people uh, approach travel and space travel and uh, energy resources and things like that. I think I think that's a good example of what seven would actually be. Um, another another description here. Once my screen turns back on, um, finds interconnections and layered causes, learns constantly, puts function over love, status, rules, or power. So, you know puts your function as a person, you know, uh, so the yellow person is like pretty much consistently doing things and, and, uh, is, is probably, it's like almost described as like an asexual kind of person. (laughs) I don't know if that's the case, but, um, certainly you're not concerned with love status rules or power. You can, I don't know. I don't know. It sounds very Dalai Lama to me, you know, someone who's of that like higher Buddhist sort of perspective. So, um, we're going to move on to, uh, eight, which is again in that very, very speculative territory, uh, eight turquoise. I'm just going to read the description because I can't comprehend it. Uh, a delicately balanced system of interlocking forces in sub jeopardy at humanity's hands and needs of compassion and representation. Oops, sorry. I just dropped my phone. I was trying to turn it off because somebody was calling me. <laughs> I'm going to read that again. A delicately balanced system of interlocking forces in some jeopardy at humanity's hands in need of compassion and comprehension. You can almost think of like humanity coming together in the desire to almost fight uh, aliens or something. <laughs> you know, you have to create this in this unified society to focus on a singular need or entity in some way. Um, and uh, eight would be a world that would be capable of doing that. Right. Um at an individual level, holistically, they would be an experiential, experiential learning type of person, um, transpersonal living, collective consciousness, and refreshed awareness of energetic fields. Uh, this gets very woo-woo, gets very, um, again, because it's so speculative, it's about understanding almost how other people are thinking before they know how to think about themselves. And, uh, you know, eight would most definitely be able to meet anyone at their own level and be able to satisfy the needs of anyone that need help. Right. Like eight sounds very utopian. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it's again, it's speculative because it's like beyond our own concurrent comprehension. You know, there's just so much more to it that we're not able to experience because we're just not there yet. You know, um, much of the world is still living within three, four, and five. Some are six, and very few are seven. Right, so we're just we're just nowhere near there near that. And then um, seven is supposedly emerging, or not seven? Uh, nine is supposedly emerging. This is the last one referred to as the color coral. And um, the description here says too soon to say, but should tend to be eye oriented, controlling, consolidating if the pattern holds and um the personal one uh, states next neurological capabilities the theory is open-ended up to the limits of homo sapiens brains so i mean this could be some like crazy stuff like telekinesis i don't even know right we could completely unlock the capabilities of the human mind um you know, this is something, this is like complete human transcendence that people are talking about on an individual level. And, um, you know, who knows what that even means, if that's even possible. I have no idea. It's crazy, but it's great. (laughs) So um, I'm going to take a quick break because this was a very long session um, and then kind of wrap this up to sort of tell you how you can figure out where you kind of fit within this. All right, welcome back. So that was... That was a lot of words that I said and shared, a lot of information that I threw at you. And really, again, this is just an introduction. There is a lot to break down. You can really go into great detail reading about spiral dynamics and starting to learn about um, how each level is essentially living and how some of the later levels are projected to be like. Um, so it can be really fascinating to think about the potential here. Um, So some caveats. So when you're starting to think about where you are on the spiral dynamics graves level uh, system here, you need to consider 
your own personal biases when you're placing yourself into this sort of framework, right? Because I've had conversations with people who are very averse to their interpretation of blue, but so therefore immediately disqualify themselves as potentially being in for blue because they couldn't possibly be like those people, right? <laughs> um, and that's not necessarily true because blue, you know, kind of lives within a truth versus truth kind of world and exhibiting that sort of behavior is kind of blue behavior. So it's kind of interesting that by doing that, you're, you know, sort of solidifying that you are in that framework. Um, so there are all sorts of, again, I recommend going to the personality hacker um, episodes and listening to all of that because they sort of break down the stratification of these levels and how you can kind of identify where you are. Um, based on some of my descriptions, you know, it could be fairly easy to figure out where you are. If you're sort of a, a teenager or a college student trying to figure out your place in the world, you could be in three red, don't even have a job, don't know what to do next, right? And you're trying to figure out a way to navigate and get to the next stage. For me, I think I went from red to blue when I was maybe 17 or 18 years old. And I realized that um, I couldn't keep fighting with my parents. I couldn't keep avoiding jobs. I couldn't keep avoiding uh, and fighting everyone. That at some point I needed to comply and, um, you know, figure out how to sort of play within the system. You know, I didn't know anything about the Graves model, but I think that made sense to me as like the next evolution to like, all right, let me just play along and work my way through this. And then I'll amass some resources and figure out how I can start my own business and go do my own things, right? So I think I think a lot of us know that there is a natural evolution in life and like where to go next. Um, and I think even society is sort of evolving away from an industrialized world, which is very much a four blue framework. And um, it's still going to take a little bit of time, but I think many more people are becoming entrepreneurs. Many more people are finding ways to make their own way of living that live outside the four blue framework. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how the world evolves as a result of that and take another swig of water. <clears throat> so again, a lot of people live within three, four and five. So that's a probably a good place to start when you're trying to figure out, you know, where you fit in all of this. Um, you know, if you, if you have a job and you're collecting benefits and you're kind of just going through the motions and doing all that stuff, you're probably sitting pretty nicely in blue. Um, if you're sort of having a hard time getting a job or you don't really want one and you're avoiding it altogether, or if you never had a job, um, or you're, um, you know, kind of always fighting for a sense of dominance and, um, trying to, you have a bit of a exploitative or conquering nature, uh, a bit impulsive, no sense of guilt, then you might be living within a red framework, right? And if you are, um, you know, in a bit of a loner, you probably live within the red framework. And if you're someone that's trying to start a business and you're trying to collect resources to kind of live within your own, to try to quit your job, or you have quit your job and, um, probably when you have quit your job, because if you're trying, you're still within blue trying to ascend to orange. But if you have quit your job and you're kind of making money on your own and doing your own thing and, um, you know, sort of playing outside the lines and taking risks and things like that, then you sit pretty nicely in orange, right? And if you happen to be someone who is in green, you're probably not listening to this podcast, <laughs> um, uh, you know, but you have a great sense of empathy to feel and, um, help people out. And, you know, I, I feel like my personal ambition very much maps to green, but I don't think I'm, I'm not at all in there. You know, I'm, if I'm realistic about where I'm at right now, I'm probably in for blue, uh, as I've been trying to navigate through to, to five orange. Um, and I think the way that my life has sort of formulated in the past year and a half, I think I've needed to work through, these levels again, because sometimes when you go through an intense difficulty in life, you can kind of descend these levels and have to, you know, kind of work your way through the, the hierarchy of all of this stuff to get back to, you know, previous standing, you know, and I think life is requiring of me to get a little bit more into blue so that I can amass resources to get back into orange. Cause I have kind of peaked into orange every once in a while. 
Um, but then I would lose my resources and have to go back into blue to get a job or whatever the case may be so that I can successfully try to start a business again. So I haven't really been completely successful within orange. And so that's probably the peak of where I've been is up to orange though. You know, when you think about the stratification of these levels, also, you can kind of get a peek at what the next level is going to look like. Like I have no real um, understanding or feeling of what seven yellow would look like, but I think because I've been into green or, or been into orange rather, that I can see a little bit of what green looks like on the horizon. And I've seen examples of it and, um, you know, I've, I've got a feeling for what that feels like. Right. And, um, I'm definitely aspiring to that because I want to help humanity. I want to do good things for people, but, um, I can't do that if I don't have the resources to do that. And that means amassing resources at a level that is quicker than what I would be able to do when I was in, in blue and, um, quicker than, you know, what I'm able to do now in blue because I'm doing Uber and doing enough to, to get by. Um, but I need to find a way to make more money and really get, some sort of launching pad into orange, which is why I'm doing this podcast. And that's why I'm, you know, trying to come up with courses and trying to sell things and try to do this stuff. Right. Um, I'm trying to amass resources so that I can get comfortably into orange and then start to work my way into green where I can meet my goals and eventually be able to give back to humanity on sort of a larger scale. That's, that's kind of where that's at. So in reality, you know, all of these other levels sound nice. Like I said, like, it would be really nice to be in green. Green sounds great, but that's not reality for me. I'm more likely in blue and need to consider the actuality of that. And, you know, it might take an ego hit for you to realize where you actually are because you want to be somewhere else. But remember that this is not in relation to other people. This is about calibrating to where you are and then realizing, okay, you know what? I'm in blue. This means that I need to you know, save a little bit of money. I need to figure out how I can amass some resources, start to build my business if that's something I want to do. Or even if you're in blue and you're very comfortable in blue and you're like, I got a good job, you know, I got a good house, uh, government pays for everything. Like I have no problems. Um, I don't have issues with the police. I don't have any kind of problems with governments or anything like that. You know, that is, uh, then that could be very comfortable for you. And if you were to try to go to orange and try to use all of your resources and take the risk to start your own business, you could completely ruin everything that you've built, right? So it really depends on your comfort level, right? You don't have to take the risk to go into orange. You could totally live comfortably in blue. That's totally up to like what feels good and what is actually working for you, right? So I've, I've had a challenge within my mental health of actually living within blue. Because blue doesn't necessarily, um, government and a lot of jobs don't, um, don't accommodate the needs of a lot of mentally ill. And I've had issues with that in my past. And, uh, I, you know, I've been let go from jobs because I haven't been able to, uh, perform to the best of my ability because of my mental health. Right. So, that sort of creates the beacon for me to start my own business. But if I am not capable of putting in the hard work and getting it done, then it's going to be a challenge either way. Right. So, you know, sometimes there are those challenges that sort of keep you in certain levels and, um, it can be frustrating to feel like you can't really go anywhere. Right. So it depends on your circumstances, depends on your situation, but, you know, right now I'm aspiring to orange. That's where I would like to be. That feels very comfortable to me. That's where I would love to sit, um, at least for a little while. And then eventually later in my life, uh, get into a place where I can do some stuff with green, but, uh, but who knows, who knows if that's actually where my life would actually go. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. There's no way I could know. Right. So, um, it's, it's important to be honest with yourself. You know, there are aspects of me that are kind of, that have lived in red in the past year, trying to be really angry at my life and trying to sort of brute force my way through things. And, uh, you know, led to some is leading to a little bit of legal issues that I'm trying to work through with blue. And once I get recalibrated with blue, that's really when I can start to move forward. So I hope all of that makes sense. That is a lot. But at the end of the day, this is a really great framework for you to start to understand where you are in life and what you really need to do next to get to the next level. Cause you could have these aspirations for entrepreneurship, but if you don't have the 
basics down of of being able to to have gotten a job and get an experience and um, do all of those things, then it's really going to be very difficult to keep going to the next levels, right? So hopefully all that makes sense. Um, so that's it. I'm tired of talking. I'm going to wrap this up. <laughs> I hope you guys are doing well. I hope this actually helped you. If this helped you, please go to cnote.media, sign up for my newsletter there. There's a pop-up there. You can sign up for that and I will be, uh, you know, sign up for my email list and stuff like that. Um, there's a dopamine email list. I, I don't have a shortcut to that at the moment, so I'll work that out later. Um, but if you, if you specifically want to be on the dopamine email list, you can hit me up at let's go see note and on the social channels and let me know. And I'll, I'll definitely put you on the list. And, um, you know, that's pretty much it. I've got some courses I'm working on. I've got some things coming. Um, I'm going to work on an ENFP course next. And I also want to work on, um, I came up with an idea recently to do, to create sort of the ideal client contract for creative entrepreneurs who are trying to, uh, to do freelance work and service-based work, but have continuous issues with clients and, um, not sure where to set boundaries and what stipulations to put in their contracts. And I think I've had enough experience with being screwed over <laughs> that I, uh, I have a pretty strong idea of how to give that kind of advice. Um, so I got something coming for that soon. That's going to be a free thing I'm going to put out that's going to lead into my brand blaster stuff and uh, you know, hopefully be like kind of my flagship creative consulting thing. Um, that would be rad. So, But if you have any questions about any of that, feel free to hit me up and let me know. And um, I got the Millennial Summit coming up soon. Still waiting for information on that. Don't know when that's being marketed. I don't know. <laughs> so I'll let you know when that's coming and where you can go for that, but stay tuned and, um, all that. So that's it. I'm going to wrap up. I appreciate you guys. Um, hopefully this has been good for you. Take care of yourselves and each other. And I'll catch you next time on dopamine later. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later.